0: Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite in fantasy fiction, and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, and welcome to Literary Quest. Today we'll be discussing Radiant Sin by Katie Robert. This is the fourth installment in her Dark Olympus series. We've discussed all of the other books in this series up to this point, so you are welcome to go back and listen to them if you need a refresher. This will be an After Dark episode. We 100% are going to be talking about sex, so uh, gird your loins if that's not your jam. I will introduce our characters and Vicky will discuss our plot and then we'll take take it up from there. So just as a reminder, the three leadership roles in this world, Poseidon, Zeus and Hades, they're all familial titles that are inherited within families. But the rest of the roles of the Greek pantheon are competed for or named by the predecessor or inherited or given based on some other ritual ritual, and each role serves like a form of governance within Olympus. So we have Cassandra, who is our female main character. She's worked as Apollo's administrative assistant for the last five years and spent most of that time trying not to want to have sex with her boss. She is very perceptive about other people's behavior, is unafraid to step on people's toes, and is prickly most of the time since her parents were assassinated by the former Zeus for attempting to kill one of the 13 and usurp their role. Cassandra and her sister, Alexandra have been treated as outcasts in Olympus and Cassandra has been saving money for years to give her and her sister, the opportunity to leave Olympus. Apollo is essentially the spy master of Olympus. He has a team of spies that collect information, which he uses to keep Olympus safe from those who would seek to undermine the rulership of Zeus or any of the other 13, or just destabilize the city. He has spent most of the last five years trying not to want to have sex with his administrative assistant, Cassandra. He is super kind and thoughtful about not abusing his position of power, especially with Cassandra. And though his role is spymaster, he is not actually super perceptive about human behavior. And we have Minos, who is our bad guy, sort of. He is a mysterious outsider who managed to get two of his adopted children placed in the Aries trials in the last book, and has requested and been given citizenship in Olympus in exchange for potential information about the outside world and suspected threats to the barrier that protects Olympus. But the information that he has provided is scant. His kids are Theseus and the Minotaur, the two uh, people from outside who competed in the Aries trials in the last book, as well as Ariadne, Pandora, and Icarus. This book is set in Olympus, a city surrounded by a magical barrier that generally keeps the rest of the world out and all of the residents of
1: Olympus in. So for the plot, the barrier separating Olympus from the rest of the world is failing It is believed that Minos might have information on this issue, so in order to try and find out more, he and his family are granted citizenship in Olympus. He moves into Hermes' old house and invites several of the 13 to attend and to bring a plus one. He is having a week-long party. This provides the perfect chance for Apollo, who's essentially the spymaster for the 13, to try and figure out what is going on. However... He needs a plus one and wants his executive assistant, Cassandra, to join him. Cassandra has been working for him for five years. She is saving to get herself and her younger sister out of Olympus. Her parents were killed by the 13 after they attempted to kill a member of the 13 and take their place. This led to the whole family line having a black mark and made life difficult for Cassandra. When she is presented with the opportunity to make $1.4 million and get safe passage out of Olympus, she can't say no. She agrees to go with Apollo to Minos' party and pretends to be his girlfriend. She will help them figure out what he is up to. When they arrive for the party, Minos announces that there will be parlor games. It appears he is trying to marry his children, Icarus and Ariadne, off to one of the 13. Cassandra and Apollo are suspicious, though, And don't believe that an arranged marriage is his only goal. Soon, strange things start to happen while they're there. Several of the plus ones disappear. The Minotaur attempts to isolate Cassandra. Theseus is there. Ariadne seems to be against her father. Pan almost gets murdered. And Hermes is acting suspiciously. Will Apollo and Cassandra give in to their attraction? Will they discover the true plot? Or will Cassandra be the next plus one to disappear? Spoilers ahead. I
0: loved this story. Me too. It felt like I was reading it. Clue. Have you seen the movie
1: Clue? Yes, exactly. That was my first thought too. Yes. Cinematic masterpiece. Flames. Flames on the side, on the side of my face. Of my face. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I, yes. I was like, this is a murder mystery. I am reading Clue. That was exactly the vibe I got from this. Yes. I loved it. It I was so fun.
0: It was a lot of fun. It was a great read. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah. I So back in the day, uh, before I started reading monster porn and fantasy, I read a lot of murder mysteries. It's been a long time since I picked up a murder mystery, um, but I used to love them. So it was fun to get like combination fantasy smut. Uh, murder mystery in the same, all in the same go,
1: all wrapped up in a nice package. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I I had a lot of fun reading this book. Mm-hmm. Same. It it was interesting because so some of the reviews had mentioned that like there's a lot of filler in this book and it like the book itself didn't move the plot of the story along that much, and I kind of get why they would say that. But since it's written as a murder mystery. Like that's the whole point, you know, you build up all of this fence. Yeah. yeah. And then you have this big reveal. I, I just really liked it though. So.
0: I did too. I agree. It, it's supposed to build anticipation. Like that's, mm-hmm. there's supposed to be some red herrings and, and some uh, tricky things that happen in the story. And I feel like she did that well. This is not even really a criticism. My frustration with the story stems more from the introduction of Minos and his crew, who we basically have no information about, and in the story with still basically no information about.
1: Yeah, I, yes, I, we really didn't get much, out like of all. much
0: information about them at all, mm-hmm. yeah. which I guess is probably intentional because even he, like Hermes, who was instrumental it sounds like and getting them to town uh ended up with very little information that she was expecting to get to so it seems like they the author did that on purpose but
1: (sighs) i would like to know more yes yeah i find it interesting so they reference the outside world Mm -hmm. in this one what is out there (laughs) yeah We've talked about it before, but every book, I'm like, so is it the normal world? You know, is it just some random city in America that's outside of it? Like,
0: I, what if this is in, is it Philadelphia that riots every time something happens in their town? Yes. Maybe the rest of the world is Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> just Philly. Yeah. And it's just,
0: they're just greasing the light poles regularly, just in case.
1: <laughs> Definitely want to get out there. <laughs> I mean, I feel like
0: the population as a whole, I I guess when you live in an environment like that, you just stop questioning things. But I would want to know, like, why is there a mar- magical barrier around the town? And where did this come from? And if someone was able to create a magical barrier around the town, like, why is nothing else magic?
1: Mm hmm. And they don't even know anything about the magic barrier though. Yeah. There are no books on it or anything, nothing referencing it.
0: Yeah. Well, and Poseidon's whole deal is like Mm -hmm. shipping and things like that. Like how is he shipping things?
1: Maybe he goes under the barrier. Maybe he goes under the I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. I
0: don't know. Uh Minos is disgusting he reminds me did you ever see the movie it takes two with the Olsen twins um yes it came out a long time ago um but their uh their foster was it their foster parents Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. right yes their foster parents were just like skeevy terrible people And they just adopted the kids so that they could use them for child labor. And that was the vibe that I got from Minos. He has like Theseus and the Minotaur. And it sounds like uh, Pandora is the only one that he really likes. And maybe Ariadne and then Icarus, he really is not a fan of. He was terrible to him. But he's just like using them to like gain positions and power and things like that they're just like pawns seems like
1: yeah I wonder how much of it is him being like a mastermind sort of because I feel like that's kind of what it was being set up as at first mm-hmm. right like oh he knows things like kind of yeah. maneuvering things but in the end like it was pretty simple what he was planning yeah you know yeah so yeah yeah
0: I don't know. I just, he was just a big red flag.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in my mind, he was very greasy. I just envis- envisioned him with like a super oily face. I don't know why. Yeah. He has, that. he has, he invites people to a week long party at his house, which is weird because who has time as an adult to have a party for a
1: week? Like I, <laughs> I was thinking that too but Apollo makes several references back to like oh this is the way it used to this is the way it used to be yeah so maybe that I don't know
0: when like the 80s when everyone was on coke like (laughs) when when did this are we referencing like the legit Greek pantheon like what are we talking about here I don't know he was just I just had so many problems with him and then he invites all these people to his house and he's like take your pick of my children like what in the what this is weird that's weird that's a weird thing to say
1: it is a weird thing to say
0: everybody else should have had their red flag meters going off like this guy is weird but they're all and it's like a silent i don't know just in my mind, I'm picturing like a, a silent dick measuring contest where they're all like, Yeah, I know this is weird. And I know that you know that this is weird, but I'm not gonna say anything about it being weird because I don't want you to know that I know that this is weird. <laughs> it did feel like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody's cool. He's this this middle like middle to older aged man trying to hawk his kids at a week-long party, having people play. Hide and go seek in his house? Like that That is not I've never been to a party like that. Okay. I
1: love it though. I love the parlor games and stuff. That sounds like so much fun.
0: <laughs> I just I would not be down for any I mean, maybe the hedge thing, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yes. But like hide and seek
1: in a person in a house as a grown up. And I just snooping. I mean, they do go snooping, and I mean, like, yeah. If it was like if I was in some like rich person's house like this, like what they described, and it used to be her, I'm going snooping, and I'm looking for secret passages and stuff. Like, yes, (gasps) (laughs) I will go play hide and seek.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I. After the first person got hurt, I think I would just be, or after the prize was one of his children. That's not a prize. I'm sorry. I want money or diamonds or I don't know, like a cheese subscription or something. I don't want your kid. (laughs) I know. That's not a prize. Somebody needs some help. (laughs) I know,
1: I, I agree. Like with the hide and seek, like it That's was That's like, like oh, human whoever, trafficking. <laughs> it was, uh, whoever, you know, lasts the longest gets a date with it was Icarus, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. I was, yeah. Like, I was like I would definitely wa- not want to be the last person found. But no. second to the last after I've you know done all my snooping. <laughs> yeah. found at least one secret passageway yeah that's what gave it the really clue vibe too
0: yes well
1: knowing that Hermes
0: is so sneaky and that there would be secret passages because it's her it was her house um also the somewhat like unclear motivation for what was going on and the mysterious disappearance of Hermes plus one who never showed up. And I'm guessing wasn't actually a person that existed or was planning to come in the first place because why would Hermes bring a guest to a party that someone was supposed to be murdered at? So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you think of Apollo?
1: Oh, he was such a sweetheart. Yeah. Compared to for we've seen other representations of Apollo. And he's normal. Yeah. He's not the best. He, he's not Zeus, but he is normally like super arrogant, you know, and like, oh yes, everybody will love me. Actually, when I started this, I couldn't I got um the Touch of Darkness book switched up in my head. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, he just like, you know, kicked Cassandra off of his like team. I had the same thought. Yeah, so I was. I was... Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was ready to go in there and be like, "Ah, Apollo's a jerk," and then he's like the nicest like, of the thirteen. He's like, yeah,
0: one of the nicest male main characters in this series we've seen. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really sweet, and he's so concerned with Cassandra. He's like really nervous that he's like using like this power dynamic to take advantage of her. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: I just loved him as a male main character. He was very cognizant of the power differential between them before they ever like started having sex with each other. Just even in their workplace, he tried really hard not to like take advantage of power differentials between them or act on his feelings or put Cassandra in a position that would be unfair to her or make her feel like she couldn't say no because of who he was. And he was just very thoughtful and considerate. Mm -hmm. He was also, uh, we haven't done a PSA in a while. We may have like two in this uh, um, podcast though, but uh, PSA time. So Cassandra mentions to Apollo that she knows she's being overpaid for the work that she does for him because she asked Hector, her coworker that also works for Apollo, 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 and has for longer than her about how he ma- how much he makes. And, um, Cassandra makes almost as much as him, even though she hasn't been there for as long and her job duties aren't as intensive as his. And Apollo makes some comment about how he wishes that a- like Hector hadn't discussed his wages with her. Um, And friends, you should ask your coworkers about how much they're making. It is illegal for your boss to tell you not to discuss your salary. And that's how corporations take advantage of people and are able to underpay them by making them feel like they can't discuss their wages with other people. And by not listing salaries on job listings and things like that, discuss your wages with your coworkers. Yes. Know your rights. Know you're right. Um, you're allowed to talk about that. And if your employer threatens to fire you or penalize you for that, then that's illegal and you should call,
1: um, HR. Yeah. Call the department of labor, report it that way.
0: Yes. Report that. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Paula super sweet. Cassandra was also a really good character, but she was so prickly in the beginning.
1: She was. Yeah, I was surprised at—I don't want to say it—but her audacity. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> the audacity she had with Zeus. Especially. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: I love, so he makes that deal with her where if she agrees to be Apollo's plus one at this party, then he will give her seven hundred thousand dollars in a way to get out of Olympus and get her sister with her and saw like they can just leave and no problems. Right. And she's like, double it. And I'm there like de- the balls. Yes.
1: I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. It was grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It was great. I did think it was interesting that, you know, she, her goal has been to leave Olympus for a long time. um, And she, basically just assumes that her sister wants the same thing
1: i know it surprised me there's like no communication on this though because like her sister knows that she wants to leave mm-hmm. right and it yeah. Sandra never asks her younger sister like do you want to leave but her younger sister also never says like i don't want to go with you mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah it is a. Uh... It's odd. Like her sister's in college or grad school or something. Like you can't just leave. But like also her sister is a full ass adult who can make decisions for herself. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Just felt weird. They're super close. But I think this is like because Cassandra like raised her sister basically after her parents died. This is one of those like when the sibling relationship becomes uh, like a parenting relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I feel bad for Cassandra because of that. She basically raised her sister and has been living with the bare minimum to support herself, uh, and support her sister and also save money so that they can le- leave, which is a lot of responsibility for a young person. But it also seems super hypocritical to me that basically everyone in Olympus scorns her for her parents' attempt to grab power Mm -hmm. when attempts to grab power are pretty regularly rewarded and celebrated in this town. So, like, they're scorned because
1: they failed, I guess? Yeah. I definitely was a little thrown by that, too. Um, Why, like, everybody seemed to feel that way. Mm -hmm. You know? Because I know... Oh yeah, we're we're gonna talk about this too. The whole big secret uh, yeah. of a way to get power, right? Is if you is it, if you kill other than the like top three 13, right? Yeah. Um if you kill them with your bare hands, yes, you can then like take their spot.
0: Yeah, you have to kill them with your bare hands mm-hmm. and you have to say like I would like I I basically claim this role for myself, and I use you as my witness, which is what happens at the very end of the book. Um, yeah, and you can commit murder basically to take on uh, one of the roles of the leaders of Olympus, which I feel like is really strange. I find it strange. That this is even a law that exists?
1: I know. Who can up with this? I need a history on this place. I really do, because what a bizarre law and like or loophole or whatever to have.
0: Yes. At what point in the constitution writing were they like, "Mm, yep, let's let's put this random? little power grab loophole in here just in case these folks get a little too big for their britches maybe and oh but not tell anyone we'll keep it a secret but not because some people know about it Mm -hmm. but if everybody knows about it it'll be chaos but we'll put it in anyway it's fine it's fine (laughs)
1: what (laughs) i really think whoever did it was probably just like Trying to like mind fuck with everyone, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, "Ha, this is hilarious!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a, it's uh, it's an
1: interesting rule. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm surprised I managed to keep it a secret for so long. I am too.
0: But, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it seems, uh, or, you know, or maybe they were critical or uh, hateful about Cassandra and her parents, because if they weren't, then people would think it was cool to try to assassinate their leaders. I don't know. Seems weird. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It was a little different uh this book
1: had some amazing sex the spice and everything was perfectly balanced Mm -hmm. I felt like this book was just so so great I do wish so they she does a little bit with like kind of praise kink and I wish she'd lean more heavily into that Mm -hmm. but I did love everything like it was great because there's some BDSM too in Mm it there's a little bit of there's edging right Mm -hmm. there so there's there's stuff that I always love reading praise kink so yeah
0: yeah I feel like Katie Robert is the queen of sex scenes Mm -hmm. and she writes them so well and some of the ones that she has written are just like my favorite sex scenes to have read so uh if you are looking for a series by this author that is just porn basically uh there is one it's called like well within the series there's one called your dad will do it's a um uh age gap romance um she has one that is a uh like well, she has a couple that are age gap, age gap romances actually. Um, but one of them is also like male, male, female, um, like a triad type of setup, which is great. The series is called a touch of taboo. They, I mean, they, they are mostly sex with very little plot, but it's great. So if you're looking for that, do recommend. Mm -hmm.
1: That's the one with, um, there's like a snake on the cover.
0: Right? Oh no, that's another series that is also mostly porn with a little bit of stories.
1: Oh, it's a different series? Okay.
0: Yeah, that's a different series. And that series is uh oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's something about uh villains. So she has one that she has written about or a series that she has written about Disney villains. She's reimagined the stories. Um and there is a triad in one of those. It is, uh, I want to say, called Gaston, maybe. Let's see. The first book in that series is called Desperate. Oh, no. Yeah, that that book is called The uh, Beast. This series is the Wicked Villains. Hmm. It is much darker. Like, way, way darker. And I think it takes place in a sex club. Parts of it do. But it is it is
1: also very good. I read one of them. It was a while ago, so I don't really I don't remember much about it, but yes, I. it was It was three people. It was a triad.
0: Oh, it might have been The Beast then. Yeah. Well, I say that. Uh, there are m- multiple books that have group sex, so uh, I don't know. The point is, this author is spectacular at writing sex, and so if If you want sex with Disney villains, uh, you might look up the Wicked Villains series. It's dark. If you want um, sex with like a little bit of romance and not super dark, the Touch of Taboo series is also really great. Like she's just you just if you want uh, like a double dicked dragon book. That is also out there by this author. (laughs) Yes, I read that. Oh, I forgot she wrote that. Yep, it's called The Dragon's Bride. I have more of her books on my Kindle than I realize. Uh, But that series is the Deal with the Demon series. So...
1: (laughs) I think I've read all of those. Yeah, like two or
0: three. There was the Dragon Uh, one. I think there's four. There's the Dragon one. There's a Kraken. There's a Succubus. There's a Demon. There's a... Um I feel like there's one is there a gargoyle? Yeah, there's a gargoyle.
1: I am behind on those then.
0: <laughs> there's a lot to choose from. <laughs> uh yeah, so many options to be had out there for this author. Um yeah. The sex scenes that she wrote in this book were a delight. Mm -hmm. I so the first scene that we hit is like a semi-public sex scene and I love scenes like that because that type of thing would stress me out in real life like I would not be into it most likely but I love to read about them
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and so we actually have a couple of scenes like that in the story and the first one is like that but what I also love is that almost immediately like before they get anything going um they establish a safe word and uh, um they have their first sexual encounter in like a sitting room in the dark because it's nighttime and they're snooping around the house playing spy trying to figure out what's going on and so they sneak into this room they end up on a couch because someone's about to come in the door and so um, they end up on a couch and he's on top of her and then it just progresses to like grinding and then he, and then it shifts and it focuses on him performing oral sex on her, which is amazing. So I just like love the, the dom sub type of relationship that we see between them. Like the dynamic that they have, where he gives her orders with the intention of him heightening her pleasure.
1: Mm-hmm
0: someone comes back in the room and so he puts his hand over her mouth and he's still finger her fingering her. And it like builds the anticipation with the experience of like knowing that they could get caught at any moment if she makes a sound. And so she has to like, try to be quiet, like the anticipation. And we get something similar too when they're hiding in Ariadne's closet, like the anticipation building is outstanding. Chef's kiss. So good.
1: It is. I really like the uh, scene in the Ariadne's closet. Mm-hmm. Don't I mean, I like the scene you're talking about too, but there was something about the closet scene. Maybe I just like... It. I th- also, her scenes are
0: lengthy. They're very detailed. So that first scene is like 20 pages long.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a lot. What I like about it too, like with the length, because it's like descriptive, but it's not overly descriptive at the same time. Like there's a lot happening within those 20 pages, you know? Yes.
0: Well, it's not just like 20 pages of penis going in and out of a vagina or a finger or like oral or just descriptions of like fluids Mm. and things like that. Like it's, um, pausing to highlight the way that her skin feels or the way that his, um, body cells or like the feelings that the person is having inside of their body at that time so it's not just like because we've seen that before where it's like okay I get it like he's got a great penis and he's super good at thrusting it and I'm bored
1: now right Yes. yeah no this is not like that at all and I I appreciate that Mm -hmm. because if you're gonna write a long sex scene make it meaningful I guess yes
0: yeah yes she's the queen she is so
1: good.
0: There's another part where Apollo and Eric, no, Apollo and um, Cassandra are, they haven't had sex yet. They're building to it. But Apollo is like telling Cassandra what he wants or what he feels or things like that. And she's like, enough talking, get to the foreplay. And he says, talking is the foreplay, like 100% facts. Yes. Yes. If I you can that. snag my mind, if you can tell me something sexy, you have the rest of me. Like, I love that. Also, I don't know if Katie Robert intentionally harkens back to the Cassandra myth with this, but in a, so Apollo tells Cassandra in the first part of that sex scene that he wants Cassandra's words. Mm-hmm. And then later in the scene, he says, I wanted your words and now I want your mouth. And so in the original myth, Cassandra's words are ignored, right? She's destined to see the things that are going to happen and no one believe her. Her words are meaningless, basically. And so I like that with this story, we see Apollo requesting her words and honoring them
1: and rewarding her for them. I really liked that Apollo too it wasn't just always like she's so hot you know obviously that was in there it's like look at her ass like all that was in there but he also mentions and he doesn't just mention it to her too, like in his inner dialogue and like stuff he thinks about how smart she is and you know all these other qualities that she has and that he admires about her Mm -hmm. and I like that especially because like a lot of times they'll say it too (laughs) But it's never 100% reflected in their thoughts. Yeah. I guess. And he's like, he finds her sexy because she's smart too. You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. I liked him a lot. I did too. He's
0: probably like, oh, the kindest of the male main character. I think I said that before. The kindest of the male main characters that we've run across so far. Mm -hmm. Like probably also the least traumatized it sounds like so there is that but like you said we do have dom sub relationship here um but we also get a bondage scene and i liked that a lot too because i sometimes we get bondage in some of these stories but they incorporate shibari in this one and i don't feel like we see that super often
1: we do not. And you've mentioned it before. And I thought of you when I read that part and I was like, Oh, this is what Marissa is talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's be- like the, I think the way that they are able to tie knots and form different types of um, harnesses and things like that is gorgeous and so complex. And so we get some, some of that in this story. Um, and like not not that other forms of bondage are not also great like handcuffs are fine all of that that stuff is fine um, but i do think shabari is really beautiful and doesn't get a lot of mention in in stories like this so mm-hmm. it's nice i also really like when cassandra says to apollo we didn't even do anything particularly kinky and Cassan- and apollo says cassandra you know better he uh, kink isn't defined so acutely which I really like because, uh, people think that you have to like be a freak to enjoy kink. Right. When people think of kink, they think it's like fucking pickle jars and doing like weird, like not that. I mean, if you want to do that, like you do you right. But like people think that when you talk about kink, you're talking about like wild sex and kink does not, it can't be that, but kink can be a whole spectrum of things it can be spanking which is super mainstream and really popular right or hair pulling or holding people's wrists or sometimes breath play like it doesn't have to be or like handcuffs I feel like that's really popular you see fuzzy handcuffs everywhere right like stuff that a lot of people do is kink
1: so Were you able to guess what was going to happen in this at all? No, I was
0: not. I tried and then I wasn't sure where the story was going to go. So I gave up and read ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I did not read ahead. Good for you. I did not. If I read ahead, I'm never going to like, I'll just be like, "Ah, I know what happened now. Um, (laughs) I, I, you know, <laughs> it loses all the suspense for me, I guess. I don't know. Oh, I, I don't mind that. <laughs> if I know the ending, then what? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So um, I was trying to, like, figure out what was going on, right? Like, mm-hmm. Like, okay, maybe there are some clues into, like, what's going to happen based just on the character names, right? Mm-hmm. So... I did like this whole thing, and Minos—he you know, used to be like—I think he was like the king of Crete, you know—and all of this other stuff. And it had his whole family lineage, all you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like trying to piece things together, and I got to the end, and I was like, "Nah, that was—I <laughs> <laughs> was wrong." Yeah. Perfect. So I did. I did. I was like hmm, suspicious.
0: Yeah. But otherwise... I. Hermes is really mysterious. Like she says that she's trying to protect Olympus, but I would totally be unsurprised if she just burned it all down.
1: Yep. I would be amused with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, she gives off the chaos vibes. She's all up in everybody's business. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she just let Olympus cave in on itself. Mm -hmm. I also want to know, so she's the one. That helps Minos arrange this whole week-long party thing, and she's the one that lets Minos use her house, and she's the one that helps get him see citizenship. And Hermes is the one that kind of orchestrates all of this stuff, even the like arrangement to allow one of Minos's children to kill one of the thirteen. And she wants to know. Who his benefactor is. That's part of why she makes this arrangement. It's an exchange for inner inima- information. And Cassandra, I feel like at one point says that Hermes has her own agenda, but what is that?
1: I don't know. I mean, she must have so it is clear that his benefactor is a woman. Yes. Right. So yeah. maybe there's some history there or something. I don't. Yeah. That's really because I don't. We just don't know enough about Hermes to really. I feel like make too much speculation. Yeah, on it. I
0: feel like Hermes has got some type of investment in whoever his benefactor is, and not just because of Olympus. Like it feels more personal than oh, that. Yeah, to me, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. definitely. yeah. I was wondering if she was going to, if Katie Robert was going to work anything in regarding Cassandra Smith. And when she finally did, I felt so validated (laughs) when she, she does it really specifically twice. So after pan gets injured and Cassandra is telling everyone that they're nuts for sticking around at this party and that it's a, like a big deal that someone is, you know, almost murdered via blunt force trauma. And they should probably just go home and everyone ignores her or is really rude and awful to her. Uh, But Apollo, that they stick around weirdly. And then it happens again when Hermes meets up with her after Cassandra's been spying on Hermes and Minos and their secret meeting. And she finds out that their plan is to kill one of the 13. Hermes says, no one's going to believe you except Apollo. And even then it's going to be too late.
1: Mm-hmm. yes, and that, yeah, her story her myth was always one of the saddest ones to me, yeah, because she's trying to help like nobody will believe her. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like doesn't she get like thrown from a tower or something? How does this end? Yeah, I feel like she
0: does not nobody. There is is there a single being in Greek mythology that has a happy ending?
1: Maybe. Let's see. Mm. I just it was sad and I kind of feel like I don't know, I hate not being believed with things. There's yeah. something about it that drives me crazy. So she always just like she was just her myth always got to me. Um yeah. Oh, but okay, back to the whole, like, warning and nobody listening. So she warns it's Hephaestus, right? hmm And he has this whole thing, like, we're the 13. We're invincible, basically. I just wanted to punch him in the face. Yeah. Terrible. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. Nobody's invincible mm-hmm. in Olympus.
1: Mm-hmm. Nope everyone's yeah. replaceable that's right they are
0: mm-hmm. yeah um yeah he was a jerk artemis was also a jerk
1: mm-hmm. which yeah. made me kind of sad because artemis is always kind of one of the cool gods. this is
0: oh well yeah but you know this isn't really like greek mythology so no i know <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I thought that Hermes and Cassandra's interactions were cute. I enjoyed the. They obviously still care about each other and have feelings for each other, and they dated each other before. Hermes wants Cassandra to be safe. Uh, I feel like, based on what we know about their relationship, it's pretty obvious that they weren't going to be the people who like shared their deepest darkest secrets with each other. Uh, but Hermes is still concerned about Cassandra's well-being, and she strongly encourages cassandra to go home Mm -hmm. and then she later supplies apollo with the golden rope that he uses to tie cassandra up so Mm -hmm. they're cute they're really cute um so in this week of uh partying apollo and cassandra obviously decide because Cassandra is planning to leave that they can put their uh, employer employee relationship to the side and just have all the sex that they want. And obviously they've both been resisting their feelings for each other for like the last four years. And so now that they've finally gotten together, Apollo experiences some jealousy regarding Hermes and Cassandra. And it's just like a really short blip and that's it. And I like how he experiences it like that. Like it's a blip and just kind of moves on. Uh, Jealousy is a normal emotion. Like we don't have to frame it in terms of a good emotion or a bad emotion. Like jealousy is emotion and like a normal emotion. And I feel like our culture villainizes people a lot when they experience emotion like that, when they experience jealousy, like, oh, jealousy is bad. You shouldn't be jealous. And I mean, in excess, like with most of the quote, negative emotions, there's potential for harm that can come out of that, but it, it doesn't always turn into that. And sometimes it can be a segue to a conversation that you may need to have about boundaries in a relationship or the security that a person feels in a relationship or perceptions of, um, like how you perceive your partner within the relationship, because sometimes jealousy will stem from a feeling of like ownership over your partner and you don't own your partner, right? We don't own other people. And so there's potential for harm, but it doesn't have to have a negative impact on relationships. And sometimes it can be a point for good conversation.
1: I'm in... um bunch of like am i the asshole groups right (laughs) or is this relationship exhausting so it's um on facebook and so many times people will post they'll be like my significant other has this friend that they're really close to you know and like i have feelings about it and i don't know like am i overreacting or whatever and everyone's always like jumps on them immediately like well your insecurity is yours to deal with like blah, blah 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 right Mm-hmm. Which I mean, yeah, but at the same time, I feel like they just get jumped on like immediately. And then I also remember there were there was one where the person came back, edited it, and was like, well, he was cheating on me with that friend. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, sometimes those feelings aren't always unfounded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And jealousy doesn't have to be a thing that like it can exist like a blip. You can say, hey, I'm feeling some things in this emotion and then you can have a conversation. Okay. Like, is this something that you need to be supported through? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Now there are definitely times when jealousy can be a bad situation and just like anger and rage and things like that, it can turn into partner violence and that's never going to be a good thing. But I think like emotions are things that they exist and that they move through, like you move through them if you can acknowledge them and deal with them. And so it may still come up, but it doesn't have to be something that overwhelms you. And I think when we create shame around feelings like jealousy or sadness or whatever, and we just try to repress them, that, that doesn't serve anyone.
1: So, jealousy is normal, and you should feel your emotions. Like that's the other thing. I feel like, like you said, people were, you know, always talking about suppressing. Just like let your feelings come and yeah. feel them and then accept that you're feeling them, right? And then go from there.
0: Yeah, get support if you need to. Talk to someone if you need to. Don't tell someone, well, just don't be jealous. Like that literally does not do anything.
1: Just go for a run. Don't
0: feel that way. Okay. Like that's not a thing. The feelings are there. They want to be felt. And sometimes that means doing work on yourself. If it is a situation like that, where it's like, they have a friend and I have feelings about the amount of time that they spend with them. Well, is that a you thing that you need to address? Sometimes it is. But a lot of times a conversation about it can go a long way to clear things up. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. There's my side piece on jealousy. There's a lot of representation in all of Katie Roberts' books, including this one.
1: I love that. I really like that um, Dionysus is asexual. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. We have that. We have lots of characters that are bi. We also have like size representation. We have several people of color who are part of our character list. It is just lots of representation overall.
1: Yeah. And it's not, it's just treated as normal, yeah. In the world too, you know. It's not just like oh, look, look, look at mm-hmm. you know. It's it's just normal. Yep. Which I like.
0: Yeah, it's great. There's not like one token gay god, or <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're not <laughs> gods. They're not gods. Human with a god name, whatever.
1: Yeah. It's such a, I, mm, I want the history of this
0: place. Yeah. How did y'all get here? Yeah, uh, I would like to point point out that Apollo is like a manager. Yeah, he says that he is really not very good at being a spy master. Like he's not perceptive about people. Uh, he has a team of spies that he collects information from. His executive assistant is. Um, or administrate, whatever Cassandra is, is like super perceptive. And he's the one that she did. She's the one that he depends on for a lot of stuff. Like he reminds me of Jen from the IT crowd in that like she has the job with no idea about how to use computers, but she manages the IT department. And Apollo doesn't know shit about being a spy, but he is in charge of the spies. Okay, so we get to about the end of the story. They realize that um, Minos's children are crying, trying to kill one of the 13 so that they can usurp their role, just like Cassandra's parents tried to do. And it's either going to be, like, and everyone bells out. Like, Cassandra tells Apollo, uh, and then Apollo tells everyone what's going on. And, like, folks are leaving immediately. They finally recognize that this is a threatening situation, except Artemis and Hephaestus, who have been out and about with Theseus and the Minotaur. And so they are able to save Artemis. They get to the garage and Theseus is just beating the hell
1: out of Hephaestus. Which I didn't particularly like Hephaestus. Yeah. So shocked, Pikachu face. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it, it was pretty brutal. Killing someone with your bare hands is brutal. Yes, I mean he must have really really beaten them up. Yeah, obviously there was a lot of
0: blood. So yeah, yeah. I mean I wouldn't invite this guy to my wedding. So
1: no, yeah. he seems no, pretty I, threatening. Wouldn't be the best guest.
0: Yeah. But what I do like about this is that Apollo is determined to keep Cassandra with him the whole time, even if it means that she's slowing him down and Hephaestus might die. They might not get to him in time. And so he says, this is like my favorite trope. I love you and I will let this city burn before I intentionally put you in harm's way. Burn it down.
1: Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Me too. Especially because yeah. I know she said like multiple times. She was like oh he's gonna he would choose you know the city over me. Yep. That stuff. And he's like no. I will definitely choose you over the city.
0: I choose you Cassandra. <laughs> I almost said Pikachu. It was right there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, So love that. But alas Hephaestus dies and uh tries to take out uh, Apollo as well. Mm-hmm. So Cassandra wax him with the tire iron and that barely puts him down. Um, but they do like the damage control thing and they think that they've got a chance to keep him from Theseus from taking Hephaestus's role because he hasn't said the magic words. Uh, but then he wakes up and says the magic words.
1: Why didn't she hit him? i I would have just been like wonk bonk like a one of those uh, cartoons whack them and like a giant lump appears on their head
0: yeah yeah Yeah. i mean same
1: but uh clearly this is
0: a plot device so (laughs) we can't do that
1: she could also have been like because so he declares her as his witness right and Mm -hmm. she's like i didn't hear it yeah i don't uh what no, I was,
0: no. Mm, sorry, I was traumatized from watching you murder someone with your hands. I did not hear what you said. Oh, nope. yep, Yeah. Uh, but again, not what happens. I feel like there should have been a bigger response to everyone finding out that
1: Hermes was responsible for
0: orchestrating all of this stuff.
1: I know, but they were like, oh, they didn't break any laws, so... How? Oh, wow! <laughs> I know. Like I thought, it was treason. Apparently not. Apparently not.
0: It seems like there should be some kind of law that covers this sort of situation, but I guess not. And uh, so we end up with an arranged marriage type of situation. Aphrodite offers herself up as a marriage bait for Theseus as Hephaestus. So. Hello, another Greek myth, Aphrodite and Hephaestus get married. Um, Keep your friends close, but your enemies in your vagina?
1: Hard to lose track of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess we'll see where that story goes.
1: (laughs) Yes. I think it comes out near the end of the year. Yeah. So.
0: happily ever after with Apollo and Cassandra I bet they're gonna have like 20 kids Apollo would be a good dad he would be a great dad
1: Mm.
0: yeah he would be yes Cassandra would be that prickly mom yep if you mess around with her kids at the soccer fields she's gonna keep your car (laughs) <laughs> that's that's cassandra yeah all any quotes you want to share
1: that you like from this story um yeah so i had one so this was when apollo saying something to cassandra and he's all like i'm definitely not forcing you right you know like just checking in with her about everything and she says the only power you have over me is what i choose to give you love that yeah that's a good one did you have a quote
0: no I've said like five of them yeah that's true you did <laughs> yeah Alrighty, well then that wraps up a radiant sin by Katie Roberts next time we'll be talking about dark lover by J.R. Ward it's a little bit of a throwback in terms of story these these stories are a little bit older I think
1: uh, but there's like a billion of them. There's twenty one, I think. Yeah.
0: All righty, well that wraps up for this week. Uh, join us next time. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.